to another episode of the Rich Cheese Radio Podcast, your home for horological hot takes, taboo topics, and often unpopular watch opinions. I'm your host, Brodinky. With me, as always, is my friend Schmidt. Schmitty, how are we doing this week? I'm doing well, my buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm well rested. The family took a little trip up to Massachusetts. Okay. Uh, so I'm feeling pretty good. If you go back two episodes, you can actually hear me botch the intro. And uh, I go for, I don't know if I went for as me with, as with me as always, or as always with me, but I said it in a jumbly mess that I, I when I, I listened back, I, I just left it in because I thought it was funny. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I was hey, quite, uh, yeah, I was in a, little, a bit of a stupor, but uh, you know, I had a few days of decent sleep and I am ripping and ready to go here this evening. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Likewise, it's uh, it's been a fun week. Uh, it's getting a little colder here where I live. Things are starting to feel more like the end of the year season wise. So it'll be interesting to see how that's going to play out for us long term. But uh, everyone's in good spirits. Everyone's doing good. So excited to be back. For sure. Uh, before we get into it, I don't have a ton of housekeeping. Uh, more just some things to keep an eye out for. I know I mentioned it previously on the pod that I was getting a little feature in the watch annual that is now coming out. They're taking orders for that. So myself and a bunch of other contributors, I think a hundred and some odd total, uh, all kicked in. And uh, it's a pretty cool little publication. I know part of the sale goes to charity, so that's always good. Check okay. that out if if you so desire. And uh, I also got a little uh, section in the Watches of Espionage newsletter. If, if any of you follow that or into uh, his whole shtick, um, he, he actually contacted me to uh, make a meme to actually make fun of him, which was funny. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a good sport. But, uh, but the he, greatest he, troll. yeah, I threw I threw a bunch together and I was like, yeah, you just pick whatever whatever one floats your boat. So you put you put one of them in, and then the rest he he kind of threw up in his story and was like, "These were the the, the ones that were in contention." So that was kind of neat. We had a, we had a good laugh about that. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, fun to see that. Uh, former, I, th- I want to say he's a CIA operative, but whatever he is. So yeah, fun. I think it's I think it's CIA. Yeah, somebody who's CIA. who's been in that kind of situation can have a a good sense of humor. <laughs> a very very relieving thing, you know. Oh yeah, for sure. Refreshing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Uh, some new stuff and nothing, nothing overly popular. This is some very niche stuff here, but some neat things that kind of caught my eye throughout the week that we were talking about before the show. I know you sent this one to me. This one really jumps at you if you if you happen to see this one. It is the Raymond Weil Freelancer. It's labeled a GMT, but I think it, it's a world timer now. Yeah, so it's gotten like a GMT indication, like in right. a normal sense, but it does have, I, I believe, with the with the secondary rotating crown, it does feature a world yeah. timer yep. scale. But I think primarily movement wise, it's going to be just a straight up GMT okay. that you can rotate the track, a, a, a that you can rotate the internal bezel to track an alternate time zone. But it's a great looking watch. I really like it. Yeah, I gotta say, this is not a brand I frequent no not at but all but in passing i i <laughs> definitely <laughs> i definitely stopped and came back to this one there's a lot going on if you're if you're a fan of busy dials or busy watches and have a time or things like that this one might be for you uh there's some very interesting textures there's a lot of concentric circles in that 
a lot of scales. Obviously, we <laughs> talked about a bunch of cities. There's GMT. And I don't know if you yeah. noticed this at the 24 hour on the GMT, it's a little moon instead of the 12, uh, 24. That's right. Kind yes, it is. A little crescent moon. Yeah, you know, I don't think I've ever seen that touch on a on a watch like that before, but it makes total sense. I mean, uh, it is technically midnight. Yeah, very cute. Very cute. Six o'clock date kind of weaved in there, but nicely. It's not not too obtrusive at all. You know, but for me, this watch, is, even as busy as it is, the one thing I really do like about it is it's laid out in a format that is very readable. Extremely. It's extremely legible. There's a lot of depth here without being overly thick on the watch. I think you were telling me what the size measurements are just over nine millimeters. 9.7 thick on a watch That's with crazy. this much stuff in it is That's pretty crazy. nuts. Yeah, it's crazy. But it, it just it looks like it wears really well. The case size is 40.5 millimeters. It looks like the two auxiliary crowns and the bezel itself are made out of bronze. Yes. So you'll get some patina action there. There's a lot of different cool colorways that they're doing. There's a darker green kind of gradiated dial for the 24-hour scale, signifying that day-night. You had different types of olive drab green. The use of colors is very, very good here. The use of contrast, the use of textures, as you mentioned, those concentric circles. There's a lot of visual play that makes this dial busy, but the way that they did it allows it to be extremely legible, very succinct. I can see all the information at a very quick glance. And I'm not having to really try no. to read the watch. What I personally like about this, and I think it, it kind of lends to the legibility, is if you look at each one of the hands, they hit exactly where they should be perfectly. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's going to translate into QC and all that good stuff. Yeah. But if you look, the hour hand hits those thick hour markers perfectly. Yep. Yep. The yep. minute hand touches the... The GMT ring just barely, but it gets all the way over the minute markers. The yeah. GMT hand hits the number just barely. And then the, I can't tell if that's a lollipop or as we like to call it, the old martini olive second hand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think the, it's a martini olive second hand for sure. So that martini olive is right on that very center ring and everything lines up so beautifully. And I, I really, I would love to see this kind of loomed up, charged with a, a UV light. I think it would really sing. But I, yeah. I, I like it a lot. I like even the strap is a, a nice shade of that olive drab. And to see this all to come together with all these different shades of kind of muted green, I think would be a really, really cool thing to check out. Yeah. And, and, and one thing I do like about this as well is the way that everything works together in terms of the color. It's a very like, although I wouldn't normally classify this as a field watch. Right. Like this feels very utilitarian, very like duty purpose driven for me. It feels like a field watch. I can see that. You know, it, although it's completely not that. It feels like it's an adventurer's timepiece, which I think is kind of the motif here. You get the GMT complication because you're traveling. You know, you can track, you know, alternate time zone codes with the with the world timer scaling on the outside. It's an automatic watch. You know, it's it's a great looking piece. Great package. Um, I think this is a very cool watch for, for Raymond Wild. So it'll be very cool to see on the wrist. They're not cheap at twenty seven hundo, but I, not, I think I think not the, expensive either. No, you know, not for not for this hobby, but I think you're right. <laughs> I think the the bronze gives it that safari look. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I like it. I think it's very yeah, good looking. You sent it to me, and I passed it on my own, and I, I had to scroll back up because I was like, "Hold on a sec!" Like I, I thought it was something. <laughs> I don't know what it. You know, I thought it was something Breitling, something that's usually right. Busy. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. 
You know, I thought it was an Olive Drab Navitimer or something. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, would not be a bad... Nope. <laughs> an OD Green Navitimer would not actually be a no, bad car That would choice. be pretty sick. Uh, next up is the Edox, another brand I have zero experience with, <laughs> but the Edox Neptunian. This one caught me because I always talk about how, obviously, my, my I have affections for the Pelagos, and, you know, recently I've been looking at the uh, Citizen the blue titanium diver and just sort of this very clean blue diver look with heavy blue and white contrast really speaks to me. Yeah. And so this one caught my eye. It's a thousand meter diver. It's got a helium scape valve. It is a little big though at 44 millimeters. Yeah. Now, it looks big. 44 in divers can meet a bunch of things. I know the turtle is 44. The Willards are 44, 45, and those were fine. Seiko has kind of a bit of case and lug magic in that way that they they make things very wearable in that size. Not yeah. everybody can do that. Yeah. This looks like a little bit of a, like a fatter, uh, fatter Submariner. I mean, it's obviously going to have a little bit more sizable presence. It's got pretty prominent crown guards there on the side. Um, a pretty thick bezel. You know, some normal chamfering on the on the on the case and everything like that. It looks like a little bit of a classic, you know, 50 style diver, but it is obviously a little bit bigger. But it is still a thousand meter rated dive watch, so there's going to be inherently some more space that's needed to make that happen. Yeah. Um, just the way that it's designed, but it's not. It's not like an ugly watch. It's not like an unwearable watch, like the watch we talked about last week. But you know, certainly a watch for somebody who's probably got a larger stature, a bigger wrist, and could put pull off something like that. But the color's great. The color is really, really pretty. It's uh, you you described it to me as like the the Tudor Pelagos blue. Yeah, it's almost like Caribbean style. Yeah. yeah, it's it's so good. It's one of my favorite colors in the watch industry. It's not used enough. It's like a very royal, like ah, man. It's it's like a Dodgers like Cubs blue. So you know? it's almost like, like a it's like a vibe. It's not even. I don't even want to call it a navy. It's not navy. It's no. It's, it's not navy. more. It's more vibrant than a navy, but it's not quite cobalt. It's I think it's like a royal blue is kind of the color. It if, you, might if you be. Google if you Google royal blue, it has some purple undertones to it. It might be. Which I think is kind of what we're getting at here. It's 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 a very prominent, vibrant color. And I like that. Because so many people <laughs> default to the light blue and so many people default to the navy blue. Because navy's easy. It's, that uh, dark blue is, is great. It's funny you said that because now I'm looking over and I happen to have uh when Nomo sent over the deep pink for me to check out, they gave me a little fountain pen with it. And oh, yeah. it came with some cartridges. And I looked at the uh, packaging for the cartridges that is in a blue that is spot on to what we're talking about. <laughs> and it says royal blue. So there yeah, you go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's kind of like a it's it's got some purple tones in it, some yeah. some some violet tones in there. So that's kind of the differentiating factor, but uh, you know, a great, great looking color. Not a watch for me per se. Um, you know, even though I am a diver, there's some other versions in this line. Um, I think the technical line is a skydiver Neptunian. Um, there's some other versions that I would probably choose before this one, but I think the color is really great. It is, and 1450, not bad. No, but again, no, we're saying not that's bad. not an expensive watch, especially for a thousand meter diver. I know you're. You're getting the a generic SW200, but nothing wrong with that, really, especially in this price range. I think you're okay there. But, uh, you know, if you're somebody, maybe you're into 
the whole ultra deep aesthetic and the over-engineered watch and you're not trying to break the bank, maybe this one's up your alley. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, it's a, it's a pro it, I shouldn't say a prominent brand. It was once a prominent brand, right? This yeah. is one of those brands that kind of suffered through the quartz crisis. And it was kind of one of those things that kind of got re resurrected. You know, it went through some rebranding and kind of came back um, and they're, and they're starting to kind of enter maybe just above the micro space because i mean they are technically a a brand that had a had a previous history yeah going back to last week yet again <laughs> where we were talking <laughs> about the heritage revival versus micro versus exactly. everything else. everything comes yeah. full circle at some point you know? yeah right exactly uh this next one you sent me this one's way off the reservation something that i'm completely unfamiliar with it's a brand called zrc Here's your reference, GF3826-3. This is a very, very interesting watch, and it's going to be unlike most things that you've ever seen. I can't remember the name of the watch. Somebody else made something similar to it not that long ago that had a crown, I think, at 12. This has a crown at 6, I believe. Yeah. I can't remember what that watch was called. But anyway, at any rate, this is a, it's, it's very out there. It's a 39 millimeter diver. Uh, it's got some cool features like a roulette date wheel. It's got that uh, martini olive second hand. Yeah. And it's just out there. It's got a weird bracelet, very funky. I don't know what you call it. It looks like a razor bracelet without the cutouts, so it wouldn't make it a razor bracelet. But it yeah, it's like it's like a hybrid between like a ladder style bracelet and a razor bracelet. And it, it's like self-adjusting. Like you can like unclip the links yourself. Yeah. To size it at home, which is which is very interesting. But but the ZRC, I mean, this is a very oddball watch design. I don't know too many brands that have covered them or too many podcasts that have, that have talked about them before. But it was an older established brand that was very popular in the 1960s, 1970s as a dive watch company. Uh, they did actually supply watches to the the French Navy because you know they used everybody. <laughs> but they they did supply watches to the french navy so they have some some military diving history there but a very um very atypical style of dive watch but yes. obviously every single element of the watch was designed for diving in mind you have these extremely large rectilinear paddle hands you have the martini yellow second hand which is fantastic you have a crown that's oriented at six o'clock so it makes it easy to wind and set without you know ob you know obstructing the wrist movement in any way you have a very interesting bezel design luminous markers and hands it's it's a very distinctive dive watch but 100% you know it is a dive watch there's yeah. no there's no uh, uh mistaking it for for anything like that and and i think overall the design is funky as it is you know how i feel about funky divers i mean i i did track down a ploprof i'm nope. i'm for it i think it's fantastic so they just released this in the 39, which I think is a great size for this watch because I think they were previously larger at like 42, 43, somewhere around there. But uh, very, very cool watches. Yeah, not cheap. Around 32 hundo in Swiss francs. But if this is your jam, this is your jam. Like this is out there. It's very esoteric. It's very, very niche. But if you're one of those people who likes kind of the wild look if maybe you're a pro flop person or something like that maybe this is for you or, or maybe you're one of those people who's very into the the steampunk motif or something and you could throw this on 
It's yeah. a weird leather situation. <laughs> I mean, like the, uh, if you like the PO one, I feel like this you're all over this. Yeah, but you know what? At least this watch is functional. The PO oh, yeah. one is just not functional at all. The, yeah, the yeah. articulating lugs to unlock the, yeah, it's just not a thing. This one you can at least still use as an actual watch daily, and it doesn't look like a ridiculous statement. Yeah, this is almost overly purpose built. Yeah, I mean, again, this is like the same thing with the Plop, right? Like it just it has its unique purpose for a reason, um, and it was designed to to satiate a need. You know, it was designed specifically for a, a purpose, and, and that's evident here. But I, I love the design. I think it's it's very cool. There's nothing else out there that I know that's like it, unless those other brands are riffing on this design, you know. But very, very cool. I love the, the, the ZRC. And lastly, to round out the... Watches from brands I've never heard or never played around with. I'm going to call this Batavi. I don't know if that's how you pronounce this brand, but they have a watch out. And I, this watch, I passed it. Somebody was reviewing it. I had to go back. The color scheme on it is amazing. So I checked it out. It's called the Geograph with two A's and an F World Timer. And it's got a funny name. It's a limited edition. We're going to, we're going to go with Pamukale. I don't know. But it's named after a, yeah, I think it's Pamukkale. a hot spring in Turkey. Yes. So yes. it's got a fancy schmancy name, but that's where it comes from. Great size, 39 mils, 13 thick, 200 meters in a world timer, which is pretty neat. Uh, yeah. Really cool H-Link bracelet. They also have it on a strap. Looks pretty good. But uh, it's got a, you called it a watermelon look. I think that's a pretty accurate description. It's that bluish green dial and the inner ring scale is pinkish and the, the contrast is amazing i like it a lot it looks really good and uh, all of their dial colors are like that i mean they they had a similar type of launch like in a in a like a deep royal purple and they do a lot of stuff with colors and i know you and i were talking about this off air to to us this looks like kind of a, a a mix in the same vein as like fairer yeah that's what i thought it was when i passed. I mean that's what you were pointing out and to me I, I think that that's also true but i would mix in a little bit of zodiac yeah i could see that and it's kind of those those two colors those two companies that are so so in tune with color and the usage of it that i think this is kind of where that watch is, is blending both of those design concepts together and it's obviously something that's kind of its own thing especially in the color choice that it's using um, because it's not quite the zodiac watermelony colors, it's it's a little bit different than that. A little minty, yeah. It's a little bit more the minty, like sea foam color, yep. but really good looking watch. And I think um, you know, despite how they use color, I think it's it's attractive, it's wearable, it's daily. Certainly a conversation piece, and I and I think it would be cool to to see one. Yeah, markers look really cool. I'm always a fan of syringe hands. And now that I'm looking closer at this, I'm noticing the 24 on this inner scale also it's has also a moon. It's also a moon. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. I just but saw they did that. a they did a sun at the 12. They did. Awesome. And then you have basically oh. a it looks like a darker and a lighter shade of pink for the, the day and night hours. But gotcha. Yeah, overall kind of neat. And uh, I guess you'd mix in what was the company that did this color? What was it? It was a micro brand. Not Astro and Banks. I think they did one, but somebody did this one 
and it was a big hit. It'll come to me, but it it was a micro brand, and they they dropped this pink color. No, this this mint color, and it was a big. Oh, big hit. was it was it Traska? That was it, the Traska. I think it was Traska. the Summiteer. I want to say it was, yeah, but yeah, they yeah, they put right. it out in this color, and everybody lost their mind. So if you missed it's out a on cool that color. one. You better, uh, if you want this, you better hop on it because I think it's a 75 piece limited edition, not badly priced, 789 doll hairs. But, yeah. uh, yeah. And, and, and for those of you that are going to ask us, it's, um, Batavi or Batavi and it's B A T A V I. They're yep. based in Amsterdam. And this is the Geograph G E O G R A A F. Indeed. So in scrolling watches recently, uh, you know, I was checking out new stuff for the show. And we also, I came across, uh, you know, obviously both of us, we have a, a Casio already. So I don't really pay attention to many of the newer ones that come out. One that came out in September, I passed by, happened to be a full metal black Casio. Yeah. Which I am a fan of in the sense that I, I don't, I don't love the faux precious metal Casios. I've, I've said before I don't really I don't yeah. really like the way they look. The the silver's okay. Um, I guess this is them kind of taking taking the market share back from all the modders that that went hard in the paint, you know, oh, trying to make sure. it look uh, royal oaky and stuff like that. But so now you can get them in full metal. I think as of September, and the one that I'm specifically referencing is the GMB twenty one hundred. I think it looks pretty cool. I don't know how it's gonna wear. I Casios are a little weird. I don't. I, I find that they're either they either fit like a dream or they don't fit your wrist comfortably at all. Whether they're resin or whatever. Yeah. And those are not necessarily small watches. I think they're forty-four millimeter themselves. Uh, let me double check. Let's see here. If I'm not mistaken, even though they they do wear pretty decently, but and they're obviously pretty light. So but... according to this one, and I don't know if it's the same for the for the resin Casio. It says forty-nine point eight by forty-four point four. Okay. Twelve point eight. So okay. width is forty-four point four. So you're about right, forty-five, and then lug to lug is forty-nine. But so anyway, I was like, well, that's cool because, you know, if you're not if you're not a plastic watch person, maybe you want something a little stealthy, but also kind of metal, right? <laughs> maybe you don't want to wear it. Maybe you're not trying to rock plastic, I don't know, going out to dinner or going out for the night or something like that. But I kind of uh, took a mental inventory, a little bit of, of what's going on. And I don't know if it's because I've just been noticing it more or if it's trending now, but I feel like black watches are sort of having a bit of a moment again. They, they've been around and we've had them. Obviously. Yeah, for sure. You know, Tudor's put out a bunch of black Bay variants in black. You know, you have the things like the, uh, Brightling Blackbirds and stuff like that. Like they, they've been around and there was a definitely a period where black watches were hot, but I feel like they're having a bit of a renaissance at the moment, all, almost. I mean, just from noticing what's been coming out recently in new releases we talked about. Um, I know Seiko did that night series where they have yep. the, the darker steel with the, the sort of glowing loom. They also put out an anniversary edition of, of a few watches. There was like a Willard and the the watch that looks like the 62 Moss where it's 
black coated and it's got orange and white accents that have been really cool. Yeah, and we saw and we saw Doxa launch the 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 Doxa sub three hundred ceramic. Right. I'm sorry, the, not sub three hundred, but the right? uh, no no not the carbons, but the ceramic one that was in the the army. Because they oh, did that, yes, they did yes, that limited yes. edition launch with analog shift and watch the Switzerland. And those first, I think it was like a hundred pieces or something like that or something. I can't remember, but they were all black ceramic. It was the first ceramic Doxa, and those were black, right? That was just earlier this year. And then they followed that up with the production versions, right? Right. And so we recently had an, we had an Orient that they did in black. We've seen there's there's Panerai's coming out in black. Doxa put out that. They put out the Carbons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zin's been doing it for a minute, but they, they put out some new ones. And G-Shock, as I just mentioned, I don't know. I, I I'm finding myself drawn to them now. I know I've mentioned them a few times on the on the pod recently, but I feel like they're kind of coming back. And I remember I really got hooked by black watches when somebody put up a picture of it was, I think it went to auction. I think it was Carl Lagerfeld's Royal Oak, and it was black. Oh and it was, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. worn to high hell. Like it was the black was clearly rubbing <laughs> off, but it looked really really good. Yeah, uh, it, it had been aggressively patinaed. Yes, but it looked really cool. And I was like, damn, that looks, that actually looks pretty damn good. And then recently, you know, I mentioned it before, watches espionage. He puts up every once in a while. I, it's a Brightling. I know there's an aerospace, but there's also, it's either the Aviator 8 or the Navitimer 8. And it's it's got an, an Arab dial and it's yeah. coated and it just yeah. looks so awesome. It's a day and date looks really good and i'm just like oh these i i don't know if it's coming back or if my tastes are just adjusting and changing as everybody's do but i'm like yeah maybe i'm here for the black watches and so with black friday approaching it just seemed it seemed like a good idea for an episode top back in black right that's right well now that you've given away my my episode title i can't <laughs> okay all right well it's it's a pretty it's a pretty well if they're listening right? they've seen it already so it's right fun. exactly but, exactly <laughs> Sometimes I have them ready to go. Sometimes I think of them on the spot. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so you're right about uh, the Carl Lagerfeld. It was a groundbreaking million dollar watch. Um, it was a blacked out AP Royal Oak. It looked so good because it's PVD, PVD, PVD coated. And we're going to talk about a little bit about some different coating options and exactly what that is. Um, so PVD. I guess let's start there. Right, physical vapor deposition. Deposition. Yep, that's right. So are you familiar with this process? So from what I understand, they're basically taking the the outer layer of the watch is going to be vaporized. And then as it sounds, redeposited on the watch with a coating, more or less. Yeah, basically, um, from how I understand it, when it was explained to me, is you take, so there's, you know what, there's, um, how many states of matter? There's three states, right? There's like solid, liquid, gas, solid, right? Solid, liquid, gas. Some people will split a hair and say plasma, but. Okay. Right. So technically, I you know, depending on who you're talking to yeah. for. But um, what happens is physical vapor deposition happens in a vacuum chamber. And essentially what they're doing is they're taking a solid bypassing the liquid state and creating it straight into a gas. Uh, we call that sublimation. Okay. All right. For 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 those of you who don't know, bro has a chemistry background. So this is dabble in science. He's not pulling this stuff out of his butt. But nope. Uh, so so you bypass a liquid stage and basically you create uh, um this pigmentation or whatever it is into a vapor, 
and that vapor is deposited directly over the substrate, which would in this case would be a steel case, a bracelet, a dial, whatever you want to coat in that vacuum environment. Okay, it literally just like attracts to the material. I guess that's where the vacuum comes in. Correct. Perhaps? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So PVD has been around forever. Um, you can use it a lot, uh, and they do certainly do that a lot in the watch industry, especially at lower price points for watches because it's a great coating material, but it is somewhat limited in its technology. It will wear off at some point. Right. And I think in my own research, it was noted that DLC is a little more resilient than PVD. Yeah, exactly. Now, the biggest contrast before we get into DLC. Okay. The biggest thing with PVD is you're able to achieve a wide range of color spectrum. That is the biggest thing. With DLC, before we get into how it's actually done, um, DLC coatings only allow you to do stuff on a certain color of grayscale to black scale. So you can't do blue DLC. Right. You can do a dark gray DLC, an anthracite, you know, a black, an off color, whatever. But it's somewhere in that vein. Right. PVD, you can do gold, rose. Absolutely. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. It could be green. It could be blue. I mean, because you have to remember, you have to remember when we talk about PVD usages in, in watches, a lot of times we're referring to coating specifically for black. Yes. It's, it's the external coating on a case or a bracelet. Right or things like a crown, bezel, pushers, that kind of stuff. But PVD is used by all major brands in the watch industry for dial treatments, for treatments on hands, uh, for markers, things like that. You know, logos, all of those things can be created in in PVD. And as you mentioned, you can PVD in eighteen karat gold. You can do rose gold. You can do whatever you want, um, as long as you have that material uh, to do so. Now, is it impossible? Is it is it possible to create every color on the spectrum? No, there are some limitations uh, based on the color spectrum which you can create in PVD. But for the vast majority of brands, they're going to be able to create a red dial, a lime green dial, whatever they want in that colorway using PVD technology. So, although we're talking about this as it applies to the external components of the watch, it's also important to understand that's one of the biggest differences between PVD and DLC is that you can use it to do more things. And from what I understand, PVD, you can also achieve different, a little more different texture-wise. Potentially, whereas, yes. Whereas DLC, you're getting mostly a matte finish. I, you're getting, it's, it's more of a blasted coating. Maybe. I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure that I didn't, I didn't notice. But where, where PVD can also change is the finishing of the base material first. Okay. So if you if you sandblast your case and then you PVD over it, it's going to be a sandblasted finish. Okay. Because the substrate itself has been altered to a certain finishing level that will allow that pigmentation to adhere to it in that same finish. That makes sense. So if you do a polished bevel on a case, it's going to still mirror that polished bevel with the PVD treatment. The same thing is true with the brush finish as well. So would that be how a brand like... Seiko does the dia shock coating or whatever it's called. I think it's that. No, not that. Yeah, what is or it? dia um, shield. Dia shield. That's it. Sorry. Dia shield coating where it's like a, it has a like a clear coat basically that prevents scratching. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a hardener on top of the material, right? Or some type of like a, 
to, yeah, to I didn't funny, look that up. That just came to, to, me, use, so. a, to use a funny term, <laughs> a liquid skin. <laughs> God, the liquid skin. Um, but yes, I mean, I, I would imagine. I don't know. I'm not going to say that I know 100%, right. but I would imagine it's got to be some type of topical coating that they're applying to the outside surface of the watch. Um, but that's the other thing, too, to, to understand. And the reason why this can be done is when you think about things like hands or a dial, you can do a sun brushing finish on a yeah. dial and then you PVD it and it marry it, it carries the, the sun brushing finish through. Right. You can do engraving elements on those dials and no matter what, you can carry that through in whatever you whatever color you decide to use. Hmm. So PV is very versatile for so many different things. The only limitation with PVD is PVD is very difficult to actually coat something if it's multidimensional. Okay. So if it's something that's relatively flat, a link, you know, a bezel, those are all things that are relatively flat. Um, I would I imagine a, pretty easily. I would imagine like a heavy, intricate knurling on a crown would be a pain in the neck. Absolutely. Because PVD is really supposed to be only done in one dimension. Okay. I can coat something in one dimension. So let's say I have a full watch and I wanted to coat the top surface, the sides, and the bottom, theoretically. If I did that, that could require three PVD treatments. Huh. Because technically I can only do, if it's coating one dimension, I can only coat the top surface. If I wanted to do the sides or the bottom, that potentially could require two additional treatments to achieve that desired effect. So PVD can be a little bit more costly in the sense from the manufacturing standpoint, it's like, Hey, we have to do more applications of this. It requires more time. Uh, so there's more money in that, you know, investment. There's also more material that you have to utilize. But in addition to that, there's also more potential to, to damage something or to screw something up. If the coating doesn't adhere properly in the same way on an additional treatment. So that's why you'll see a lot of times, like I have a, I have a TSO manual wind launch. The hands on the top are PVD, but the dial is white. So when you have the hands, you can see a little reflection of gold, which is like the brass material underneath yeah. on the dial because they didn't PVD the bottom of the hand. Oh, okay. So if you ever notice that on your watch, it's because it's a PVD hand and they only did the top surface. Interesting. And that's just, again, that's just cost cutting. You know, that's why, you know, a, a TSO can be $1,500 versus, you know, something like a, Omega or something else, you know, five, six thousand dollars. There's extra levels of care and detail that go into something like that that make the cost more. Wow. So from there, I guess we'll go to the other popular choice among the the elevated watches, let's just call them. Uh DLC diamond like coding. First of all, I have a, a slight gripe that diamond like is hyphenated and it's getting three letter. Abbreviation. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm a little. I'm <laughs> so a little and, in between. And it's, and it's kind of crazy because it's actually it's actually diamond like carbon coating. Oh, so it really see. should be DLCC, but nobody calls it that. Yeah, everyone wow. calls it DLC coating. Now I got beef. So yeah, exactly. It's it's a little <laughs> bit of a misnomer, but it's it's diamond like carbon coating. Uh, a lot of people forget the carbon in there, but basically, you're creating something that mimics the structural integrity of carbon that's utilized, you know, in the same way that like how diamonds are formed. Well, that's what diamonds are pressurized carbon. And that's, Correct. that's what you're getting is pressurized carbon coating. Correct. 
So it's basically coating something in a slick surface in a way that makes it resistant to impact and scratching. Right. And, and they now achieve one... this by by blasting. Blasting carbon, I guess at a extremely high speed and creating pressure is what it seems like from what I understand. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 it's it's a much more labor intensive version uh, of of coating. But when you do a DLC coating, it's more expensive, but it's also a much stronger coating. Now, the only thing I don't know about, and just because I frankly haven't looked into it, I don't know if you're able to achieve different finishes in DLC. Now, I would imagine that you should be able to, but when I see when I Google a lot of things that are DLC coded, typically they have a a, a shine to them. They have a sheen, almost like a glossy texture to them. Now, I don't know if that's because just what I'm looking at, or if it's, you know, one of those things that's, you know, it's a watch would be different. I'm not sure, but it's a very hard coating. It's very scratch, scratch resistant. But like I said, the biggest problem with DLC is you can only do stuff in the black color spectrum um, way because it's carbon, right? You can't do green carbon. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have things that are going to be dark gray, gunmetal, anthracite, those type of colorways. Whereas PVD, you can do more more things. I mean, technically, you could PVD a watch in blue on the outside. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you can't really do that with uh, with carbon coatings. So um, it's an interesting coating. Uh, more higher-end brands will use DLC as opposed to PVD. So things that I would say probably, you know, your sub-$2,000 brands, um, those are probably going to use a PVD coating. Something like a Tudor, Longines, things like that, they're probably going to use the more expensive coating, which is a little bit better, which is going to be DLC. Yeah. And then where do you, so where do carbon case watches fall in? Is that, that's something entirely different? Yes. It's, it's something entirely different because it's not a coating, it's an actual composite material. So carbon itself would be something similar to like carbon fiber. Carbon fiber, okay. So when you look at these watches, you look at Panerai, you look at Doxa, their new carbon series. Um, Christopher Ward has a carbon series. There's so many brands that do this, even all the way up to Richard Mill, right, with their carbon watches. Basically, they're taking different types of synthetic materials, predominantly carbon, and they're compacting it together into a case and pressing it into something. And then from there, they'll machine it and they'll cut it to define the geometry or whatever they're making. Uh, but it is essentially a composite material. Now, the thing is, is it's ultra light. It's very unique in how it's created because the, the cases themselves have different striations and different things because of how they created the, the patterning for the, for the composite material. But the biggest downside to it is it is composite. It can scratch. Yep. It can chip, it can crack. And when it does that, it is completely fail. It's a complete failure of the case. Like, I, this is always funny when I talk to people about this. Like, if you had an RM, right? And let's say it was, you know, something carbon case, like a, a Johan Blake carbon case RM. That's an amazing watch. It's a technological marvel. If you dent it, how do you fix the case? <laughs> you don't. You have to completely replace it. I don't know about you, but I don't want to look up the price for an RM case replacement. Nope. 
being is that that one is probably half a million dollars itself. Yeah. So it's a, it's a house. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's crazy. I mean, ten thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars for for a case, it would be insane. So it's cool from a novelty factor that oh, this is an ultra lightweight watch. You know, bright light is in that same vein. Like those are co- composite carbon cases. It's essentially a different variation of something like a carbon fiber, right? They're just taking different sheets of, of, of the carbon material to, to, to create it. Uh, but it is something that can be scratched and dented and, and, and damaged. And if it, if it does happen, it's probably a little bit more expensive to, to, to replace it. Although that said, that carbon Doxa white pearl, baby. Mm-hmm. That baby girl's calling it's my name. Nice. It is nice. Especially with that full loom dial. Yeah, I got my hands on one finally. It was nice. Yeah. And with that, I think um, those being kind of the, the two main coatings, we talked about carbon and selling alternative. And then from what I understand, most of the rest of the code, the cheaper coatings are done by electrolysis. Yeah, like in ion, ion plating, which yeah, is yeah. if if anybody's familiar with chemistry, again, it's it's redox reaction, it's Ions moving back and forth with electric current, blah blah blah. It, it, go, it goes from one one metal to the other. You plate it's plating is what it is exactly. Yeah. So um. Yeah. Your cheaper watches are going to have that. That's very cost effective. That's why, uh, like costume jewelry and things like that, we use yeah. electrolysis. You can you can mimic a, a desired effect without the the additional cost. Yeah. Both of the raw materials and of the actual process itself. And you can do, you can do many different cases or braces at the same time, and that's the other thing too. Oh, I yes. don't know, I don't know how many things you can PVD at the same time. I imagine even if it was say something like a batch of five or ten cases in a vacuum chamber, that's probably a much smaller output than something like electrolysis plating or electroplating, where you could do a batch of like two hundred, right? Yeah, they just have to be immersed in whatever the yeah and and if you're if you're if you're getting this from a supplier that's able to do this on a massive scale or you do it internally as a factory you could do hundreds at a time yeah i can't imagine vacuum chambers are huge <laughs> no i can't doesn't make sense doesn't make sense i can't me. imagine that they are so that's my point it's like there, there's there's different aspects of of the of the complexity of the manufacturing that make this a little bit more cost prohibitive for for the process and with that, uh, I think you and I both have some black watches that we either enjoy, have our eye on, or other otherwise uh, between the two of us. Um, I actually picked ones that I have experience with. So going complete really? one, complete one eighty from our opening, where I have no idea where any of those watches came from. Um, I mean, this this is one of those those few episodes where we're kind of like, okay, uh, so we're talking about this. Like, do you know about this watch? Like, not really. You know about this watch? Well, you know, really. Throughout the week, we just send each other stuff, and then Friday or Saturday rolls around, and I'm like, all right, well, let me do you know do a little digging, get some notes <laughs> we together. Find out what we're gonna talk about all. And I'm on, like, I don't know any of these. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, and that's kind of the funny thing about the industry too is there's so many micro brands that are just popping out of everywhere, and in all these different spaces, and it's a great thing. You know, more options for the industry is better, but it's just like sometimes it's very hard to stay on top of everything that comes out because there's just so much stuff. 
Yeah, these aren't um these aren't like uh, crypto shit coins or anything that just pop up and disappear. Like these are <laughs> <laughs> this is a good thing to have varieties. This is uh absolutely absolutely. But uh, with that, I guess I'll start with the cheapest option here for uh, in case anybody has uh, lost their shirt in the market recently. <laughs> so the uh, I have this guy I actually have it in my hand right here. It's the Timex Expedition North Post Solar. It's a it says that it is a sandblasted watch, which I assume means it's actually I don't know. Does that mean it's DLC or do you think it's sandblasted PVD coding? Because I would think it, it was so probably PVD. Yeah, it's probably going to be PVD, yeah. especially given the cost of the watch. Right. But again, like I said, the sandblasting is going to refer to the steel underneath. Right, and then just And then the coating on top, yeah. Yeah, so that's exactly what I was thinking, given that it's like 190 bucks. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For yeah, sure. Exactly. But um, but it's a cool little field watch. You know, if you're, if you're an affordable collector and maybe you're not trying to spring for a Hamilton khaki in the 500 to maybe <laughs> down to 300 some odd dollar range for a used or a you know, store model or something, this might be your option. I mean, it's got the all the field watch vibes. It's got a creamy loom. Uh, kind of neat. A lot of these watches will have a steel case back. This one has a coated case back too, which is kind of oh, nice. I, I, yeah, I've noticed that sometimes people will, they'll say, well, you're not going to see the case back. I might as well just make it steel. And, you know, yeah, because again, that would cut down on cost costs. Too. It's, right. It's one less thing to, to, to have to coat. But yeah, they even did the case back, which is a nice touch. And uh, yeah. 100 meter screw down crown solar movement screw down crown screw down crown really yep. on a on a timex? a timex at that price point not that's too kinda, shady. yeah that's actually not bad uh, that's that's not common on a lot of different price points but wow yeah you're gonna, it comes on a fabric strap so nothing crazy there but great little watch great fun watch beater all around her yeah you know grab it and go I, obviously it's a, a solar quartz movement so Ultimate grab and go style watch, but a one that I very much enjoy. I like that. I like that. Well, since you kind of led into the, to my pick, um, yeah, you did. I, I figured this would be on your list as well. But uh, you know, we constantly talk about this watch in the show. We have for for many different episodes. I have several good buddies that own it. You've owned it many times. Uh, certainly the ca- the khaki field mechanical. This one being the black PVD case. Yeah. Um, it's a great watch. I mean, we've we've talked about this. Uh, you know, eighty-hour power reserve movement, phenomenal specs. You know, several different versions. This one great comes size. predominantly on 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 NATO. Great size at thirty-eight, like we've talked about before. I love the contrast that you get with the all-black case, mirrored against the the creamy loom, markers in the hands, everything like that. It just looks so 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 good. Um, I think it's a fantastic package, and you know, for what five or six hundred bucks. I think is where this one comes in around. It's it's a great package. It's a very 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 good watch. And by con uh, in contrast, the Timex is a thirty six millimeter watch. So if you're looking for something okay. a little more masculine, a little bigger, if thirty six is not your jam, maybe the thirty eight millimeter will suffice. There you go. I like it. Yeah, and that's that. You can't go wrong. Hamilton khaki. I mean, yeah, what's not to love? That's that's right up there with like the SKX for me as as automatic first watch recommendation. Yeah, yeah. I said I said five or six hundred bucks. It's five forty five US. Yep, not bad with an eighty hour movement in it now. Amazing. Not too shabby at all. And now I think that they offer a bracelet on that too now. No, 
Not the black. Uh, I don't. But... I don't know if they have the well, bracelet for the black one, but they have a a, a kind of an H link style bracelet for the uh for the steel. Yeah, I did see that. It's pretty cool. My next pick, one that I've always, I've tempted a lot. I, I've never owned this one, but I, I've taken a long, hard look at it. It's the, there's two versions of it. It's the uh, SBBN 035. It is the Seiko Tuna, blacked out Marine Master 300. Um, but it's a Tuna. It's not that, it's not a, it's, it says Marine Master, but it's not the Marine Master case that you're thinking of. It's a yeah, Tuna yeah. case. Uh, it's a big boy. You can get these con- kanji day wheel. It's very black and white stealth. Really cool watch. There's also I mean, the. I, I mean, I don't know how stealthy it is, bro. With those, with that loom, uh, you could see that loom from space. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, but all around, just chunky masculine diver. Now there's also the SBBN 047, which is. I believe it's titanium underneath and it's it's got a a shroud on it. So you're you're getting more of a plastic, lighter weight. And I think it's I think that one's a thousand meter. Okay. I think. Anyways, okay. uh, but they're both I believe they're both quartz movement. Yeah. So they're gonna be a little lighter than if they were uh chonky automatic. But there's just something about the tuna case that I I've always been drawn to, and I, I'm curious yeah. as, as to how it would wear on my wrist, because I'm I'm pretty average sized on the wrist and I tend to trend towards smaller watches but i i'm super curious about it as i stated before seiko has a way of making very big cases wearable yeah i, I, mean, li- I like yeah. them a lot and those these uh the 035 comes in at it's actually ion plated so i, I guess they that's how they keep it pretty cheap cost for, effective uh, for yeah Marine master but Overall, I mean, a watch that I've really, I really, really like. I do. Maybe I'll pick one up one day, especially because they they take a pretty good hit used. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, this this wouldn't be a watch I'd run out full pay full retail on, but no, it's certainly a watch that would be very cool to have in the collection, just because it it it, it is so unabashedly Seiko, and unabashedly Seiko diver. Yep. Big fat broad arrow hand, you know, gigantic loom. Like I said, it's radioactive. You could see it from space. Um, an amazing, an amazing looking watch, hockey puck style, which for me is very funny because it's uh, it's actually very similarly styled to my dive computer, which is as they call in the industry a puck style dive yep. computer. Yep. Uh, just a big round hockey puck on your wrist, which is this is exactly what that is, right? Just in a analog format, um, which is so cool. But it's a it's a really, really solid looking watch, and I've always wanted to have a tuna. In my collection, and I've just never done it. I don't know why, but I just have never pulled the trigger. Yeah, and if you're looking for something maybe a little more techy or or uh, futuristic, you always go Arnie, the newer Arnie's. Yeah, yeah, and and any Digi, right? Yep. But no, I like this watch. I I do think this one's gonna wear big though, bro. Like, I, I agree. I think I, it's. Yeah. A, I think it's. But sometimes you need that. Yeah, but I also don't think it would look absurd because it's all black as far as looks go. Correct. To get that it's little bit of slimming, slimming effect. Very yeah. slimming, yeah. Yeah, but this this looks it every photo that I see it on. Like, I know. Trust me, it, it's been tugging at me. Let's do oh. it, dude. Let's do it. <laughs> it's um it's a Merry Christmas to yourself, right? Yeah, for real. <laughs> all right. Um stepping up the game a little bit. We touched on this a little bit earlier. 
Uh, but I gotta, I gotta bring in uh, one of my favorite brands, Doxa, and I gotta go with one of the carbons. Um, I, I mentioned the the white pearl kind of already, but uh, one of the other ones that I really love in the carbon case for me is the uh, the aquamarine. Oh, it looks so good. It's there's something about that colorway that is just so good in the black carbon with that beautiful turquoisey blue dial. Not a Tiffany blue. No, it's turquoise. But a turquoise blue, and it's and it's 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 so good. It's too good, honestly. And again, with the carbon case, exceedingly lightweight. This would be a more of a nostalgia watch for me rather than like an actual diving watch that I would use in the field. But uh, but certainly a very cool watch to kind of be reminiscent of. I don't know, just different styles and things like that, and uh, it's uh, it's it's interesting. I would love, love, love to see this um, on the wrist and doing some diving. Yeah, I saw these watches and the uh, this color dial originally, and I thought it would be more like a almost like a Carolina blue. Yeah, saw, saw them in person, and I was like, "Whoa, this is way greener than I thought it was." It's not green at all, but it's greener than what appeared in renders i i don't know yeah the the color is just not the same in, in a good way i really like the shade that it turned out to be and i think with the black case you get a very uh, i guess it's like a miami marlins type of vibe but uh oh yeah yeah but, right. but in, in a good way like it's it's yeah, a great yeah. combination great combination and uh, i i had a, a the pleasure of checking out the white pearl carbon and that was that was actually one on on my list that made it, and it's it's so good with the 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 full loom dial, the contrast it, it just beautiful. looks great, and it it's, it's obviously super light, wears really nicely. Another one that I've been just super tempted by, you know, maybe, mm -hmm. but so many watches, so yeah, little, so little, money. <laughs> so little, <time. laughs> so little time for sure. <laughs> I will round it out with one more watch that I have in my current collection. Uh, I have this in the U50 format. Zinn has Ooh, been doing this yes. for, a, for a hot second with the U1. They do it now with the U50. There's a, they do, they've done a lot of black watches. Obviously, they have a somewhat of a military aesthetic, right, with the EZM mission timers and things like that. They make plenty of black watches. They have watches with, with rainbow accents on them. The U1s all look really good because the black, white, red scheme looks really good. The yeah. U50 that I have is the sort of blue fume looking dial, uh, gradient style dial. So it's more of a black, white, blue look. That's yeah. just something that I prefer. But uh, yeah, black case. And let me tell you something cool about this watch. Um, the first day I had it, I wore it to work and I went to go grab uh, a soda from the fridge. And that we only have them in the giant sleeves of 12 packs. So like I, I, I open the, the 12 pack and there's another 12 pack stacked on top of it. And I guess it must've been open. And so it, it flings open and a, a can comes flying out and, you know, obviously first inclination is to catch it. But right? So I catch it, but in kind of an underhanded fashion and it hits, oh, hits, the, no. hits the clasp. Right. And I'm like, oh, here we go, right? So like, I was say we're gonna we're gonna find out how scratch resistant this is. <laughs> so I take you know, I take it off, I look, and I'm like, and I see I see some silver. I'm like, oh man, I was like, this thing already rubbed off. I was like, this isn't scratch resistant at all. A little later, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm rubbing it, and I found out 
it was the can that came off and it rubbed off and underneath was fine. It wasn't yeah. beat up at all. There was not even a marking. And I was like, oh, wow, this is actually, actually is submarine steel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That I would say that's probably guaranteed to be a, a DLC coding. Yeah, for sure. Or, 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 you know, I know Zen does a lot. They do like their tegmenting underneath uh, yes, the, the hardening of the, of the metals. Yep. That could also be something that they do prior to adding a, a, a topical coating as well. Yeah. I There's so many that. things that you can do. Right. Um, and and that's certainly a good one. I mean, they they have been synonymous with with black watches, PVD or DLC or otherwise, for forever. I mean, yeah, some of the early right. Zins were you know the you know the Porsche design like you know Flieger Chronos and the uh, the Orfina Flieger yeah, Chronos the, that were the Orfina comes to mind. Yeah, yeah that's I mean, exactly like, this is all this is all you know Zin Zin's handiwork, and uh, they've been doing that for what 40, 50 years at this point. You know. So, um, pretty cool. Pretty yeah, cool very to see cool. That. And obviously, they come in a little more pricey. I guess if you're if you're into that, but you're not looking for, if maybe you're an affordable collector, or you don't, it, or maybe it's not a piece that you want to be necessarily a, like a keystone piece in your collection. You can always check out like there's a few like micros by some military guys like Sangin and stuff like that that make yeah, yeah, yeah. similar watches that are not. Maybe not submarine steel and tegumented, but they'll they'll scratch the itch if you're down for that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's there's a lot of great stuff out there, and you know, I would love to get my hands on a singing. It's just they're just always sold out, like always. Yep. They they do those little micro drops, and they're gone like in an instant. It's like the old the old uh, Halios. That's what Halios days. Yep. Yeah, that's, I was gonna say Helson, but no Halios. Halios. Yeah, still can't still still can't see those. Watches yeah, ever. still no seaports. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever happened to them? Uh, they're still putting out stuff. It's just, you know, they've been trying to do the innovation thing. They've been putting out some, they put out like the Fairwind stuff. I mean, it's a little bit. But I haven't seen them do any drops in a very long time. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've, the only, the only one I really was roped in by was the original Seaforth. And that was before the, you know, the Oyster Perpetual came back big. And the, it was really before. Yeah, with that light blue. It was really before the, the steel dress sport wave came back again. So they were a little bit ahead of the curve on that. Yeah. And that's, I think that's why that watch caught fire was because it was right in the beginning and people were just all over it. Obviously really good size price isn't bad. Colors were really cool. You could get them with the different bezels. That was when the, yeah. the 12 hour bezel was really big on dive watches. So I feel like a perfect storm of things for them at that point. And then since then they've had some cool stuff. They have, they have uh, a watch that has the class where you push the button and you can quick adjust it okay, on the class. So like it's a, it's like the a, logo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Halios yeah. logo, you push it in and you can adjust it. So I've, I've kept up in that regard, but I, nothing really has gripped me the way that the original did. Gotcha. And, and actually, they put out a puck, didn't they? Yeah, they had a, one of their first ever models, I think, was a, was a puck. I can't remember what the heck it was called at this point, though. I think it was called the Halios Puck. Was it the Halios puck? I think so. Maybe. Yep, it's got to be. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, the Halios puck. But this was a big boy. Like this was a big, a chunky big, boy. Chunky boy. As as a young kid say, a thick boy. Yep. Like with two C's. Two C's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a cool watch for sure. But I just, you know, for me, it's it's always been one of those things. I just, I would like to own one. I can just never get the opportunity to do it. Yeah. Because. So many people buy them out before they're even, and 
and like I don't even see their their the notifications on social media anymore. It's probably just you know all um all people that have email you know ties to to the brand and they get you know first drops on those I and they're already sold. I want to say they did that on purpose. I want to say they did that to avoid the scalping and secondary sellers. Yeah, I think they try to make it more of just like a loyal fan base type of thing. Yeah, but I mean the issue is like you only have. According to their website, you have like three different watches. Like, I mean, I should say three different collections of watches. Yeah. You know, like, can I can I get one? Like, they're all... What's his name, Jason? I think it's Jason, right? It's like, they're all currently unavailable. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's, I, it's, just, it's just a name I haven't heard in a very long time. Good problems to have, I suppose. Yeah. For them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Good things. Uh, good things. But um, last watch for me, I have to go a little bit high in the price point, and uh, I'm gonna go Panerai Carbotech. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm joking. Oh god, I, I before before I say what I'm gonna say, like all kidding aside, Carbotech's super cool watch design, very flawed in its construction. So many people have had an issue with Carbotech's, and it's 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 really sad. Like I've seen. Because the Carbotech is, as I was talking about, it's like a, it's a, it's basically like a carbon composite material, and the reason why it's got these striations is because there are different layers of carbon that they they stack on top of each other, then they press it and they create, you know, create a, a a case out of it. I've seen images of people where the carbon layers have actually split in the in the case, like they've actually unhered from each other, or or lugs literally just cracking off during a routine strap change. Just crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. So, some of these carbon cases, I, I really, I really advise against them if they're if they're very, very intricately designed. Now, that said, uh, oh, I know where to, you're going. I know where yeah, you're going. Go, go ahead. Go, going to a material we really haven't talked about, but it's certainly a a, a black material. Uh, I'm gonna do ceramic, and for me, I gotta I gotta go big boy, hit it out of the park, and I'm gonna do a, an omega um dark side of the moon yep that's where it was going this launch uh was originally launched in 2013 and i remember when we first got our shipment um of these first ever dark side of the moons and they were gone within minutes when they're sick though it's such an amazing watch now it's a thick watch certainly it's a chronograph automatic and i imagine at some point here probably in the near future omega would update this watch because it's it's kind of having a resurgence from what I understand from all my friends that are still well, in. It was the, a good seller, no? I, I know a it, lot it of was people. A, it was them. a great seller for a few years and then it just drastically kind of dropped off from, and it dropped off right around the time I was leaving the watch industry in terms of selling. But all of my friends that still remain contacts in the industry, they've said over the last year or two, there's been a crazy surge in people wanting ceramic watches, specifically from Omega. All the different versions of the size of the moons and all these different things, like they can't they can't keep them in stock, which is crazy to me. Because this is not an inexpensive watch; it's no, twelve thousand dollars or so, I think, retail if I remember correctly. Um, but it, it it's insane this watch, and one of the most beautiful masterclasses in the creation of a, of an all black design, specifically because it's extremely legible. But one of the things that was unique, I mean, I remember doing, you know, listening to this during an Omega training, 
the the rep was talking to us about it and one of the unique things that was different about the dark side of the moon from other watches in the industry that use ceramic is typically they're all singular finishes so if you look at something like a chanel j12 it's a completely high polished case you look at something like an iwc big pilot or you know mojave desert or whatever the hell yeah. you know i'm talking like it's all a matte finish Right. There's very few brands in the industry that can do multi-tone finishes in ceramic because it's so expensive and because it's so labor intensive. And he was telling me that they use like lasers and they use like diamond tooling and all these different things to actually do the machining for the ceramic to create the satin sides of the case, but also the high polished bevels that you still see on other watches. To me, that's impressive. Yeah, of course. And it's, it's an amazing designed watch. It looks fantastic. It's super stealthy. And it's a watch that for me is, is honestly a grail piece. I, I want to have some type of ceramic Speedmaster in my collection at some point because I think it is a phenomenal material. I love the way that they look. The, 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 the light play on a ceramic watch is unlike anything else you're going to get in metal. It has the same glossiness as like a lacquered finish on a dial you have this unique texturing and, and, and finishing on the size of the case. And it's just really beautiful. And you just don't get it in anything else like that. And even since then, all the other iterations, like the Apollo eight, the, the Alinghi, you know, the blue side of the moon, Omega has been, you know, mastered in ceramics. And again, I know we've been talking about coatings and it's not really a coating at all because they make their ceramic completely black from the inside out yeah but if we're talking about black watches it would be certainly remiss to 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 not talk about the dark side of the moon and i think this is one of those watches that on the low key made black watches specifically sport watches desirable again great again <laughs> i mean this is all back all the way back in 2013 right and hey if you only got a couple hundred bucks, maybe you get yourself a Mission to Mercury. There you go. Honorable mention. <laughs> Honorable mention. Yeah. Honorable. The other great part about black watches is they look killer on pink straps. So they do. <laughs> they do look killer on pink straps. Speaking of folks, uh, it's no disrespect. I, I appreciate you still tagging me in the, the post. I'm not reposting anymore. People are, they've had it. They say October's <laughs> over. October's over. I'm respecting boundaries. Okay. It's not, yeah, it's not it's, that I don't it's, love you. It's, uh, it's Movember. It's not that I don't love you, but I got to let other people do their thing for now. So yeah, just save them. Save the good ones. Save the good wristies. October will be back next year. So save the wristies. <laughs> save the something. No, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So black watches. I think they're coming back. I do. I feel. I feel like. I feel like there's a resurgence going on, and I feel like uh, I'm. Yeah. I'm here for it. Yeah, I. I am too. And it's one of those things that for me, I. I think, I think it always comes in, comes and goes. You know, if you think back to like the 1980s, you know, DLC watches, PVD watches were first coming out into the marketplace, and for a lot of people, they were so cool. Like I remember, the the original design launch of the of the tag hoyer diver the night diver yeah you know that was featured in james bond film of all places with timothy dalton like an amazing looking watch even by today's standards on the small side but still an amazing looking watch 
there's something so cool about that stealthiness that you know for lack of a better term very masculine design for the all black colorway and i know that for some people it falls kind of out of favor and it comes back but it's it's something that just i i don't think will ever leave because there's something so incredibly cool about those colors and black watches are just they're just a one yeah and i think it's just cycles i you know for a while it was steel watches were kind of ho-hum then they made yep. a big resurgence black watches i think precious metals will be back at some point i think they've kind of come back a little bit recently i think two-tone i think yeah. two-tone has really made, made more of the comeback than than the precious metal yeah, but I've, I mean, I I think we've seen a lot of colored golds recently. Yeah. I think that's been a new thing. I mean, obviously, Omega's done a ton of it between the Sednas, the bronze golds, things like that. I mean, they've always done a fair amount of it, but I think you're seeing more of that around than you were maybe five, six years ago. So yeah, I, I think it's just market cycles, trends. You know, some people insist that these brands decide this way ahead of time and we're just the sheep. Maybe that's true. So, <laughs> Hey, you know what? It's, it, I mean, there's probably something to that, Yeah, but I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. I'm okay. With it, it tells you, Hey, just hold on. If you, if you like it now, hold on to it. It'll be back in style. Right. It's, it's like the seventies. I mean, that, yeah, it's funny. As a, as a last side note, there's <laughs> something that I heard. It was like a meme going around because right now, you know, for women, the, the trend is kind of these bigger, bushier eyebrows, you know, right. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and apparently uh, it started coming out like in different fashion weeks and stuff that all the models were now tweezing their eyebrows to kind of like their, those like pencil thin ones from like the late nineties, two thousands. And then you got to draw them in and you got to kind of like draw them in again. And, uh, all the women were like, no, we're, we're revolting. We're, we are not going back to that. We did not, we did not suffer decades of abuse and <laughs> all this stuff to grow these bad boys back. Only to, send only them to back pluck to the them again. Age. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, okay, well, everything does come back in cycles. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, that is true. And I know, I, I know some people that they they haven't come back. So yeah, know, I mean that's why the whole, wise. That's how the the whole microblading thing took off, where someone just like literally injects stuff in your face. I guess I don't know how it goes. Oh god, Cos cosmetics chick. are so. I'm not a chick, so strange. I'm not going to worry about that. But uh, but yeah, that's a that's a thing. So there you go. If anybody needs, I've got more than enough brow to go around. So, yeah, no <laughs> joke, no joke. You and me both, buddy. You and me both. Uh, with that, watches, watches, and eyebrows. With that, we'll we'll let this one see itself out. Schmitty, as always, a pleasure. Thank you all for.